As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! And tame, and tame again. Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! A Serie A coin toss of footballing small talk. The Russian football equivalent of being on the beach. What's the first name on the airport shopping team sheet? Can a goalkeeper ever be on fire? Why exactly do we say things are top draw? Our favourite bits of the great VAR audio transparency project. Will English football ever have European-style sports newspapers that are overtly sympathetic to one club? And every BBC Daily Transfer gossip column ever. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 259 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry on the adjudication panel once again. An unchanged lineup. Charlie Eccleshare, how's it going? Very well, how are you? Yeah, not bad. Alongside you, David Walker. How are things? Yep, things are good. How about your things? My things aren't bad. Uh, had my things fixed, not my things personally, but um, had a handyman round. And um, once, he'd, uh, once he'd finished the job, we were having a chat about where he was from. And uh, he said he was from Italy. I inevitably said instinctively without even thinking, where ab- oh, whereabouts? <laughs> you know, the, the oh there is crucial. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I know a little bit about this country you've just said you're from. Whereabouts? Hopefully, you know, with the 60% chance of him saying a place that I know of. Uh, he said Genoa. Inevitably then, <laughs> my next question was, ooh, so then, Genoa or Sampdoria? <laughs> <laughs> And then, then you get yourself into a further pickle, Charlie, because it's like, well, I hope he says Sampdoria because I know fuck all about Genoa. Yeah, I was thinking that Genoa really wouldn't know where to go with that. I really don't know where to go with that. Um, unfortunately, he did say Genoa Ooh. with a shrug. Almost, it, He did a kind of shruggy for my sins, didn't say it. Clearly wasn't in, in his vocabulary at that moment, but um, he did a kind of, sorry, someone's got to kind of shrug. Genoa, <laughs> I had nothing to say, so I just went, oh, 
Go oh, well. Must be hard. You didn't pull out the other. Oh, oh the older Rosso Blue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I had. You probably should be able to just guess with the Italian ones, shouldn't you? There's probably Rosso Blue, isn't it? If I if I really thought about it, Dave, I would have I would have said, oh. So Kevin Strootman's made his low move permanent, I see, from Marseille. How do you feel about that? <laughs> if only I knew. But yeah, yeah, I got fell I fell into the small talk trap, Charlie, essentially, and I just about kept my head above water. Yeah, Italy's a good country. Like when you heard that, I think you're thinking, yeah, this 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 could be good. There's enough there. Yeah. I was instinctively about to say, you know, God, yeah. How are you guys getting on? But I don't know. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it could potentially be a for my Cincy club. I don't know. I don't know how Genoa are getting on. But it's just such a shame it wasn't Sampdoria. I could have said, what's your badge all about? What's that badge all about? What kits you've had? Oh, your stadium looks a bit like Gillingham's, doesn't it? That sort of stuff. It would have so much more mileage if it had been Samp. They play at the same stadium. Ah, uh, Luigi Ferraris. Mm, yeah. Ah, nice. Nailed it. Oh, I could... Imagine how satisfied I would have been if I'd rolled out that and his, his eyes would have lit up. Who else? <laughs> what other customer would have said, oh, the Stadio Luigi Ferraris to him? Never. <laughs> ah, shame. Right, let's move on. Vadim Fermanov writes in, Charlie, says, My girlfriend had to sit a six-hour exam with a one-hour break in the middle. During the break, she messaged me that it was going well. A mutual friend asked me how it was going, and I replied, she looked really confident going into the interval. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be the happier <laughs> out of her in the exam. I don't know what they said at half time. Just keep doing what you're doing. Ah, oh dear. Great stuff. Meanwhile, Fiona Frawley tweeted this week, Dave. I was at my cousin's communion over the weekend and the priest said it wasn't till his 30s that Jesus really exploded onto the scene. <laughs> right. Um... What's your favourite bit of that? Burst onto the scene is the more, you know, would, would have made it that little bit uh, yeah. more perfect. But I suppose famously, he was he was pretty good out the gate, wasn't he, old Jesus, really? <laughs> That's also true. Yeah, I never really thought, I never really considered him as a kind of Ian Wright figure, Charlie. <laughs> a late developer. Yeah. <laughs> Knocking around non-league and then finally got his big break. Paid his dues. When did he peak, Jesus? Saviours don't tend to peak until they're sort of late 30s, do they? Or once they're gone. Yeah, you don't really appreciate him until he's gone. Much in the way like Paul Scholes, he did have a very famous comeback. Yeah, write Jesus off at your peril. <laughs> Next up, Elliot Rothwell writes in, Charlie says, always makes me laugh that the Russian version of a team being on the beach at the end of the season, in their language, is having a suitcase mood. Um, CSK uh, Moscow's Fedor Chalov recently said, no one is relaxing, there are no suitcase moods. Um that feels like a very Google Translate version of on the beach, doesn't it? I guess that speaks to a more versatile form of holiday because on the beach is a very specific type of holiday where a suitcase, some of their players might want to be off on a, a walking trip or something. Yeah, so it, it's Yeah, I, and maybe, maybe that speaks to the Russian climate. I don't know. I mean, there are lots of beaches there, but... It is. I mean, we jest, but it is actually... I do quite like this because if you've ever, um, if you've ever loitered outside a football stadium on the last day of the season as I have on a few occasions whilst like mm. recording podcasts and stuff. Very common to see the players with the big suitcase already loaded, getting get, getting out of there. Uh, you can tell they're going straight to the airport. No messing. You reckon? You think you, you've off? seen oh, that? Game. <laughs> I have definitely. I've seen really? that. Well, I've seen Watford players very much on the way out. Suitcase have they, then got, off have they go. then got stick for that from fans who deem it a sort of sign of their lack of commitment? Well, possibly in some quarters. But I mean, I don't, you can't blame them, can you really? 
get it all get it all lined just, up just efficient ready to go yeah that is an interesting one actually Charlie I mean there's no logic to it but it does sound like something that fans would get annoyed about oh the yeah players sort of rushing off straight away oh didn't want to waste any time did you couldn't wait yeah, I, I think fans definitely would get annoyed at that and and it suggests that were their prep was their prep for the game affected by also prepping you know prepping for a holiday can be a stressful business were they thinking yeah. more about what toothbrush to bring rather than the shim pads in the suitcase mood yeah if yeah. you get if you get a notification from um, you know from EasyJet in the dressing room before the game when your flight's been delayed unspecified delay oh, mm. yeah that would piss you right off that would that would affect your game yeah and you, you've got yeah you've done, have I done the online check in oh yeah. fuck I need to get the specific app for this airline like, there's a lot to consider concierges for that shit these days speaking of airports Dominic Bailey writes in Dave says I'm in a meeting discussing which food and drink options are needed at an airport terminal and someone has suggested that Starbucks is the first name on the team sheet do we agree that Starbucks fulfills this role or should the role be credited to a Weatherspoons type should this phrase be for the ever dependable or star player Okay, so two questions here. The second one, rather more up our street, but let's let's deal with this first. If you were building an airport, Dave, what's the first thing you're putting in it, you know, commerce-wise? Depends on what floats your boat, doesn't it? For me, I think, you know, it is a Weatherspoons-esque establishment. With enough food options to make you to make you think twice about whether you, you might want something before you get on your, on your trip. I was in the Gatwick Terminal North Weatherspoons recently, the Red Line. Prior to Munich, was this? Yeah, at 5am on a... Friday morning. I was marvelling, really. Uh, what a sight. <laughs> Absolutely jam-packed. Microwaved English breakfast flying out left, mm. right and centre. Pints mm. being down. People on shots, cocktails. You name it. 5am. I mean, it's it's a, an absolutely ludicrous situation. Time isn't a thing at Gatwick. It's got its own time zone. doesn't matter. But personally, for me, I think the first name on the team sheet, it's a toss-up between a Smith's and a Boots. Mm, versatile. You, yeah. You, you can get everything you need in a Boots. You've got holiday items, sandwiches, plugs. I have never not purchased something from a WH Smith or a Boots before any trip whatsoever. I am drawn to it. I, am, I, I have a need for something. Charlie, I think I'll go for a, I'll go for a solid perennial, can't get rid of it, even a nuclear apocalypse, Ted Baker. <laughs> really? It's there. Never going to no. buy anything. That is not a first name on the team sheet. That is a luxury player. But they're all fucking there. Every single time, Ted Baker, you go in thinking, oh, do I need these shorts? You buy them and that's it. You've regretted it for the rest of your life. I don't think I've regretted a clothes purchase more <laughs> than like an 80 quid pair of something from Ted Baker. What are you doing? Yeah, that's crazy. Ago. Yeah. But I'm not saying I'm not saying I want it. I'm just saying it's there. I think for a lot of people, Pret will be the first name on their team sheet. There's a lot of different food options. You can sort of go in, get your breakfast, and also get a sandwich for the flights. And it feels like a bit of a treat, but you're going on holiday. So I, I, that's definitely in the mix for me. I think we are forgetting. What, what about duty free? Where do they come into it? It feels like less of a deal these days. It just feels like a 90s thing. I don't walk through duty free anymore. You mean you, you go and get your aftershaves? Yeah, it just doesn't feel like an opportunity like it used to I don't actually know what the, I don't even know if it's I don't know if it's the same rules apply or if it is real, real discount anymore but I just don't feel like the same sense of gotta do something here in this Toblerone nah let's get back to the real world a little bit Charlie uh, onto the second half of Dominic Bailey's question should the phrase first name on the team sheet be for dependable reliable players or the real kind of star name which is a good point actually 
I feel like if you're talking about the first name on the team sheet, you're often talking about it in the context of a journey. So you're saying that he's gone from being, you know, on the fringes to, you know, now look at him, he's, he's probably the first name on the team sheet or one of the first names on the team sheet. Or you'd say it the other way around, like, you know, last season, one of the first names on the team sheet, and now he can barely get a game. I don't think you just say it. I don't think you just bring it up about like a really starry player or well-established player because there are just so many other better, more interesting ways to describe them. It's simply too obvious to say someone like Lionel Messi is the first name on the yeah. team sheet for Argentina because he's like, well, yeah, of course he is. So, yeah. so, so it needs it needs more depth you, than that. I'll give you an example. Someone like Nathan Ake at mm. City. He's gone from a player that, you know, is he's a bit on the fringe, a bit on the edge. Now you're looking at me, he's one of the first names on the team sheet. because. Uh, and so I think it is more about a Mr. Dependable, someone who's just made themselves really important rather than a star necessarily. I like it. That's a good point. Where would this like expression of first sort of come from? Because if you think about the actual practicalities of writing names on a team sheet, why would you go for anyone other than the goalkeeper? Must have been Lev Yashin. I I guess if you're you're sort of unsure and you just want to right, I'll I'll go with the certainties and sort of build around that. Right. Yeah. Okay. So he's definitely playing Harry Kane. Yeah, no arguments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. You Could might be. even use it as a manager to if you were being asked if you were bristling at being asked about a player and whether you were still going to pick him to make your point. You might say something like, "Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's still one of the first names on the team sheet." So you know, Southgate quashes Maguire being dropped. Talk. Yes. Sort of thing. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, come okay. to think of it, when I do my, when I'm planning the team for a Sunday, there are, yeah, there are some go-to names I just don't even need to think about and then I can worry about the selection headaches after that. And at Sunday league level, you can never be sure that a goalkeeper is going to be available. So you, nev- you can never be sure that they are the first name on your team sheet. You might have to wait to the 11th hour for them. Right, meanwhile, over to the, um, the second leg of the Milan derby in the Champions League semi-final over on BT Sport. After about 12 minutes, both goalkeepers called into action. Here's what Glenn Hoddle had to say. I think he is offside, Jacko, but uh, what a save that is, though. Both keepers are on fire this evening. <laughs> Charlie, I don't think goalkeepers can be on fire. I don't, I don't, it, it doesn't matter how good a game they have. It doesn't matean if they go up the other end and score. You can't be on fire if you're a goalkeeper. You don't think so? It doesn't so. work. No, I think, I think it, on fire is kind of active productivity rather than... Mm defensive solidity and and repelling things i just i just think you need to you need to be creating and creating something yeah, right yeah. yeah so can yeah. a defender then i don't think a defender can be on fire either honestly i mean maybe i would take like a rampaging fullback mm. i think um, a goalkeeper has more license to be on fire than a defender actually I can't really imagine it said as said about a defender but i can see when like david de gea has had those games where he's just made like 10 saves mm. and ev- with all parts of his body and it's just me man of the match or player of the season like i can i can i can picture a tweet saying like david de gea on with three flame emojis no i can i can picture that no there's there's too, there are too many other go-tos sort of grand go-tos for goalkeepers dave there's you know like unbeatable invincible sort of he's he, he's been a brick wall for them today or something like that there are too many kind of other kind of metaphorical realms to go into but on fire just doesn't work anything makes them look more erratic i wonder if the both if it's because he says both it would sound weird to say something like (laughs) both have been brick walls thus far (laughs) yeah it sounds very odd i'm not i'm not i'm not hanging my hat too much on the brick wall thing don't worry about that um anyway this came from rich posting dave who on top of this point said um, he thinks that goalkeepers and defenders should be more kind of icy in their in their metaphors. It's like they're ice cool or something like that or something like that. 
cold. Does that work better? Ice in their veins. No, Ice just, in their veins. But that's more for penalty takers. Penalty takers and yeah, sort of clutch moments. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm st- I'm still not having goalkeepers on fire. Nonetheless, what about um, a, what about a goalkeeper in a penalty shootout was just really calm and just saved all the penalties? Yeah, yeah, because it's a battle of wits, so you keep your cool. Yeah, I think so. I think it's all right. Great headline that caught my eye. Today, Charlie, award-winning town crier of Dorchester becomes mayor. Real boot room moment this, isn't it? <laughs> Real show of faith in someone who knows the club, knows yeah, the Yeah, that's town. very very much DNA. But can he make the step up, Charlie? It's good. Well, he'll have to show that he's not still one of the lads. <laughs> yeah, does he know the town, though? We just sort of know the town square. Has been roamed? Did the town criers roam all over the town? Well, I mean, because they're constantly sort of revealing news about the town, so presumably yeah. that's all absorbing in, isn't it? Mm. But will he miss the day-to-day buzz of town crying? Really enjoyed this, Dave, from Patrick Walton. Um, he says, Fabrizio Romano announced this already with the official, here ye go. <laughs> <laughs> Inevitably, Charlie, there was some football-style rhetoric from the town crier come mayor himself. This is Mr Chisholm, who has been a member of Dorchester Town Council since 2015, and he said the key to the town's future was working together. If we can engender a vigorous spirit of mutual respect and understanding, then this key will unlock our unique past and ensure a bright future for our residents and our visitors. This sounds very intray-y, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. No mention of... place firing. Yeah, no mention of making Dorchester a fortress. No. Again. Was it ever? Probably wasn't. Sounds like Dorchester's a bit of a sleeping giant in Mr Chisholm's eyes. Alastair Chisholm. He's held numerous national town crier titles as well. <laughs> Decorated. Lovely preamble to another For My Sins corner. A pattern emerging here. Charlie going too early. He's well out of form. Dave wrestling with his own demons, <laughs> I think, when it comes to For My Sins corner. Anyway, this is from Nicky Campbell's radio show on BBC Five Live. Stick with us. Let's see if we agree with Nick. Nick, what do you want to say? And good morning. Uh, good morning. Um, so, um, yes, you're right. I'm NHS doctor, um, uh, junior doctor since 2013. So, uh, thankfully, just about to become a consultant. Um, and, you know, I've been a Labour member since I joined the party uh, during Jeremy Corbyn's uh, leadership campaign um, because I desperately just didn't want him to become leader. And that all obviously went very well. Um, but, you know, Labour's never really, I, think, I guess, kind of sat you know, it had been a natural kind of home for me. I guess I would absolutely vote for the Lib Dems if they had a, a strong footing here in the Northeast, but <sighs> they just never will. So I'm kind of reluctant Labour member. And I think for many NHS workers, we've been really, I think we've been really kind of disheartened um, over the last kind of 13 years by what the Tories have done to the health service. And we were obviously very much looking forward to a big Labour majority, but have been quite actually, uh, doctors have been quite alarmed by the rhetoric coming out of uh, Keir Starmer, West Streeting, and, and Rachel Reeves. And I think, you know, firstly, for example, you would have expected West Streeting to uh, sort of strike a conciliatory, conciliatory note with doctors, especially in the uh, light of current industrial action. But um, he kind of came straight onto a war footing with us. Um, you know, uh, Jeremy Hunt for his sins uh, managed to... Oh, for fuck's You are say. kidding me. <laughs> ...pension crisis. Is that the worst for my sins fuck ever? Off. I think it might be. Start for his strongly. sins as well. Yeah. Just Jeremy Hunt for his sins. I thought sin. that might be enough of a trigger. 
for you guys, but you didn't you didn't go for it. But yeah, it started strongly, real potential in the early knockings there. Petered out somewhat. I will accept that. I thought he was going to go down the Corbyn road. I thought he was going to say... Yeah, yeah, Corbyn yeah. was a red herring. But there wasn't enough back and forth. Like, I was waiting for him to be our... Like, I was thinking it would be jarring, but when are they going to ask me, and what do you like to do in your spare time? But that just never materialised. <laughs> he just carried on. Sometimes it's a serious deal, Charlie. Can't all be just small talk before quiz shows. Sorry, mate. Um, speaking of uh, politics level kind of behaviour, Howard Webb was on Sky Sports Monday Night Football this week representing PGMOL in their bid to make VAR more of a human situation for us all to sympathise with their plight. Dave, um, he was very kind of statesman-like in how he came across. There were, there were some sort of mannerisms of him that made it rather eerily politics-y, didn't it? It definitely felt to me like he had been heavily briefed, like workshopped, like the, the, the ha- it was the hands. Yeah. He was moving mm. his hands in the way mm. that like a, a stage managed politician has been told to make sure when you say this, make sure you do this with your hands because it will give you an air of authority or people will pay attention in certain moments. And it was in particular, his hands moved um, the more sort of tricky the questions got. Mm. And it wasn't, it wasn't exactly Paxman, but like <laughs> when he was sort of going into those areas of like, you know, how do we, when, he, when they've apologised for making mistakes and stuff, he, he, he had some very, precise answers that he sort of had ready for those moments. I have to say I got completely sucked in by all of this, Charlie. I found him really impressive in in that sense. Those hand movements really worked on me. (laughs) (laughs) He completely got me with them. They were really well done. Politicians should take note. He was good. There was something a little bit sort of jumpy about him, I found. Um, I get, you know, obviously we welcome welcome the transparency. Of course we do. (laughs) Um... But yeah, I don't know. And, and the sort of bit at the beginning, which did feel like a headmaster or a teacher seeing old pupils. And it was like, oh, good to be back between you two again, sort of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that was nice. There was, I mean, Dave, there was also kind of the um, sort of general kind of Monday Night Football guest or level that was afforded Howard Webb. It's like if there's, if there's an outsider of some repute comes into Monday Night Football, they're sort of like, wow, thank you for being here. This is wonderful mm. to have you. Mm. And, and in this case, I don't know, it just felt like, oh, come on, he's just a ref. Well, it's slightly different though, isn't it? A slightly different tone because if it's, um, you know, if it's Callum Wilson or if it's Ben Mee or whoever they, you know, have a, a special guest, then it's, they can have a bit more fun and it, and it is a bit more special. But the, with the referee, there was, there was, going back to the politicians thing, there was that sort of slight, thanks for coming, but we do have to ask you some serious questions here. Yes, I agree with that. But the point of it all, Charlie, and, it, and this was hugely billed as well before broadcast, was this unique insight um, into the mic'd up officials and the VARs and how they talk to each other. For these decisions, um, some of these elements of this really surprised me, and impressed me, and and you know, ticked a couple of mental boxes that I might have had about this sort of thing. First of all, um, one of the situations was uh, the Newcastle Arsenal handball decision, mm. and uh, before the corner was taken, I was really impressed by how preemptive they were with some things that might happen. So Trippier was about to take a corner, and one of them said, oh, "Outswinging corner, ball out of play could be a question mark here." They're really yeah. prepared for this shit. I was yeah, really impressed yeah, yeah. by that. All right, mate, chill out. <laughs> I mean, it is, yeah, it is sort of as people complain about that they are. It is like a crime scene that they're mm. forensically go. Like every goal is what's ev- what possible thing, what possible mm. reason could we 
find. Mm. And like you say, they're preempting it. And even the pass back, they straight away say, don't they, could that be offside? Yeah. Bit of a height differential at the back post there. Watch out for yeah. a handball with a smaller yeah, defender yeah. jumping. Yeah, yeah, they, they do. <laughs> they're like, there's a, situ- there's a situation developing at the back post. Dan Byrne is there. <laughs> he got fouled early. He might be out for revenge to give him something <laughs> yeah. back after five minutes. Yeah, no, I'm really impressed. But I mean, it's not like it's not like they haven't got enough on their plate, Dave, but the sort of things that might be about to happen seem to dominate their thoughts as well. There was the Kai Havertz disallowed goal for handball. And uh, as he was running through, this was as he was latching on to the pass before anything had really happened in an attacking sense. One of the linesmen was shouting, Dogso, Dogso! (laughs) (laughs) Dogso, that's amazing. Just identifying a potential scenario where it might happen. And Ref speak. Yeah, and I, I, I... I'm careful here of being sort of too sycophantic about refereeing and what a difficult job it is and all that shit, but all of which is absolutely true. But there are two things here that impress me. One is that they they are, you know, opening up their in-trays even more in these moments to things that might or might not have happened. But second, Charlie, it's a real... It's a real kind of spit in the eye for people who um, who claim that referees don't know the game. They fucking super know the game. It's an insane level of, of, of interpretation of something that's unfolding in front of them. Yeah, I mean they almost know it too well. Yeah. They're so I think I think they do. They have such a kind of micro focus. Sometimes you know they are very. I think that did revit. It was kind of like they are so micro focused. That's all this little offence at this moment. Without as the players say, like the feel, some of them might like the feel, maybe for the game and, yeah. and and that sort of thing. I mean, I, I found the things like calling Andy Taylor tails, little things like that. Just, yeah, also, again, obviously, His like of course, everywhere. Yeah, of great. course, they all have nicknames. What was it they picked up on ledge? Um, yeah, um, but was... yeah, obviously, they are a bunch of and a lot of mate. You know, yeah. they are mates. Which some, I'm sure, some fans will find it all too chummy and whatever. But um, nothing wrong yeah, with it. It's team them. unity is fine. It's how every team presumably works but I mean there were lovely little touches there was a moment where Chris Kavanagh Dave was over by the screen trying to work out he was being given guidance about the Arsenal handball but whether it came off the thigh first and he would finished deliberating and he finished absorbing all the information he was about to turn around and, and do his overall thing and what, one of his mates said Cav Cav by the way you're turning into a crowd by the way like, <laughs> like letting him know what was behind him this is great absolutely sensational teamwork what yeah. This is great having of someone's back, I think. Yeah, and those little examples. It's like when you watch, um, you know, you watch a spy film or someone, you know, and, they, and there's someone in the truck or in, in back at base giving them yeah. giving them an extra pair of eyes and ears on the, in a busy, crowded plaza. Tell you what, Charlie, I make a solemn vow right now. I'm never going to make a derisive comment about a business park at Stockley Park anymore. <laughs> uh, these guys are heroes as far as I'm concerned. Um, now you know what's really going on. Yeah, I mean, look, other minor bits of admin caught my ears as well, Charlie. Um, I mean, I, I guess I'd always wondered this about how difficult a job it is calling off sides in the moment as a linesman rather than, you know, before even VAR get involved. And I always wondered, do they look for the pass or are they looking at the defensive line? What what stimulus are they relying on to work out the moment that a ball is played? And it turns out someone just shouts now. Like, mm. you, I, th- I assume it must be the opposite linesman whose job at that point is fuck all. So presumably they, their job is then to go... Now and it goes forward, um, but I swear, you know, I've seen loads of people, Charlie, talking about frame rates for VAR. There must be people out there talking about I don't know propagation delay or something about in radio mm. signals and saying, "Well, how yeah. do you know there's a delay? Have you ever used a walkie-talkie before?" <laughs> <laughs> Is that baked in? Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's a that's a relatively new development, isn't it? As well, that kind of level of 
communication. But I would recommend, um, <clears throat> I think Howard Webb features quite heavily in it, the documentary from the Euros. You ever watched it from year 2008? I think it's called yes. Des Arbitres. Really good. It's, it's French, uh, French language, but it's fascinating about how uh, games are officiated and linesmen's the extent to which they really do beat themselves up for errors mm. and they will just be like it was just a technical mistake I, I just got I wasn't in the right position my footwork was all wrong <laughs> uh, like honestly it's like it's incredibly technical and they did the they're like with their flag like they, yeah they really Kifur. think if, if, if you do your prep right if you get your positioning right you shouldn't really make mistakes which is very harsh because it's obviously extremely difficult even if you do do that on that note then um, here is some linesman chat Sorry, re- assistant referee chat from um, West Ham versus Newcastle. This was the disallowed Joe Linton goal. First up, this is how the linesman could be heard as the goal unfolded in the first place. Like, I'm delaying. I'm delaying. I'm delaying. Still delaying. Offside. Okay, checking the checking decision. The thing about the tone of it, Dave, I quite like. It says, yeah, yeah, I'm delaying. I'm a meter. I'm a meter. <laughs> There's a real confidence about it. it. says, yeah, I'm in charge here. I know what I'm doing. It's fine. Which, you know, makes total sense because you know, that's that's what you have to, to be in that position. You need to have authority and decisiveness. I, I, there was something that when I heard these clips, I don't know what I was expecting. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't have any uh, uh, image in my mind or, of what it might sound like. But did like just hearing like the breaths on the on the mic. And the yeah, it all just yeah. sounded a bit. Very it sounded dreadful. like I was listening to like an army recording or something, mm. like you know, the over the and radio. Yeah, 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 that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, just pursuing him down um, something lane, whatever. This goal actually, Charlie, proved to be onside, as the drawn lines on the screen confirmed. Uh, the linesman, as you just suggested, beat himself up about it. Craig, the decision is the uh, the lines have come out as onside, so I'm going to recommend that you award the goal, and the recommendation is you award the goal. Okay, thank you. Wow, that was tighter than I thought. Thanks, boys. Sorry, team. No, no, well done, mate. Good process. Start tight. Delayed. Start tight. No. That's why we delayed, pal. The needed lines. Well done. <laughs> Keep that chin up of yours, mate. Go yeah. on. Don't worry about it. Picking him up, like picking him up off the turf. We go again. I was a little sceptical. I mean, obviously, they've chosen an example, which is lovely, where Mm. they support them. There's no um, finger pointing or anything. There must be some of the, like, fucking hell, mate. I mean, he's he's miles on. What are you doing? Mm. Why are you putting your flag up? But that one was great. That's exactly how it should be. I did. Um, I have to confess, even though we've seen uh, the lines drawn, on on replays for you know we've seen that happen countless times. Hearing it though, hearing that, hearing the the dialogue and sort of seeing the movement, I, I did feel quite anxious for the bloke that had to draw the lines. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you've got to get that bang, and as we know, it, you know, you can't get mm. it wrong. That was definitely the one bit where I was like, mm, that doesn't fit. That doesn't seem actually any more scientific <laughs> than I thought it was. It is. A, I don't know what I was hoping for, but it kind of is just a guy drawing lines yeah but well it's not it's not a guy drawing lines it's very important that we don't say that but it um but it's uh i like the moment with one of the var's instructing the technicians who are plotting the things saying just one to the left please so oh, bloody hell. um i guess these things matter but trying to find the edge of a shoulder is i i appreciate is is in a micro sense an imprecise science but i have a i have a modicum of respect for the process now even though i would happily do away with var but Eye-opening stuff. Imagine what we'd hear though if if they if if we get a few steps further down the line of this and you can like have like you know on the red button you could have VAR audio instead. 
Oh, like he- hearing the, the whole gamut of mm. of uh, referee speak because there'll be because this is the stuff they've handpicked to, to choose us. There'll be uh, there'll be some amazing moments with just off the cuff things and slippery slope though. Yeah, I mean you know after a while. How, what's the what's the difference between that and then becoming my dad who listens to um, police radio from Minnesota? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it is a little bit. It's yeah. a worrying thing. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Let's move back to our business as usual. Ryan writes in, Charlie, says, Why are high-quality goals slash saves slash skills described as top draw? Do people actually keep their best things in the top draw? If so, it surely suggests average things go in the middle draw and bad things go in the bottom draw. But these draws are never mentioned. Why not? Top draw. Mm. What's, what's in your top draw, Charlie? It Pants depends. and socks. Actually, no, because I've got a draw above that, a mini draw above that with contact yeah. lenses moisturiser, eye drops, gift cards that have nothing left on them. I can um, tell you what's in the top drawers. I've just pulled out drawers on the, the desk I am. Yeah. I've got sunglasses, running watch, gloves, some cash, passport photos. Cash is top drawer, isn't it? That's that's top drawer stuff. Passport, passport is absolute top drawer material. That's one of the most important things you need. But it's it's uh, all these things are... They're not necessarily valuable, are they? They are... Accessible. They're, they're things that you need. Yeah, they're yeah. practical mm. things. You need to be able to get to them quickly from the top drawer. <laughs> yeah, but they're not necessarily of the best quality. So that's Yeah, it doesn't really chime with the um, with the common football usage. I can't imagine where it originated from. I can't. I, I don't reckon even Google will have any knowledge of this. Let's have a look. Top drawer. It also annoys me, Charlie, when people think it's top drawer as in drawing something. Do they think that? Some people do. Uh, one, really? One national broadcaster tweeted out top drawer the other day. Found it quite annoying, but not annoying enough to publicly shame them at the time. Now, in my depths of content despair this morning, Charlie, I navigated over to the real last resort, which was the daily BBC transfer gossip column, a place Mm. I've never needed to navigate to. And yet I feel it's very immediate. I feel like something very topical that I need need to absorb every now and then. And it got me thinking about whether we can approximate the BBC transfer gossip column experience into one distilled list Hmm. what do you think what what would you say is the archetypal format for a rumor on the bbc transfer gossip column i think a player returning to a former club Mm. and a kind of sensational sensational return return is is one and then Um, and and that former club neither really need him nor can really afford them or justify the expense of paying them because you know most sensational returns are tend to be sort of 31 32 year olds who are more or less done and dusted at the top mm. level, which worries me for them. So, yeah, sensational yeah. returns are good. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, a, an absolute 
and this isn't particularly glamorous, but just a, a slam dunk is someone making their loan move permanent in the summer. But <laughs> there will be interest from other clubs. Yeah. They're not the only ones who want him. Yeah. Mid-table in this sort of scenario, Dave, when they're really struggling for stuff, is um, a club to give new contract to player to fend off interest <laughs> from interested <laughs> suitors. Um, that's the not mid. news. I'm not, I'm like, that's not gossip. That's not gossip. If you If you were to translate that scenario to real life, I don't know, work chat, you wouldn't bother with that. You wouldn't bother with that. You wouldn't put that in the WhatsApp, would you? The thing I love about BBC Sport, whenever I read it, and, and, and I admit, I admit I don't, I'm not a regular reader of it these days, but, but looking, looking at it ahead of this, I was reminded that they have to do this like ridiculous thing because it's the BBC and because there'd be so many eyeballs on it. It's regularly said that it's the most read page on BBC yeah. Sport website and all that. Yeah. And But they've got Barcelona want to re-sign Argentina forward Lionel Messi, 35, and Brazil striker <laughs> Neymar, 31, from PSG. Like, <laughs> as if no one's ever heard of them. It's weird. I mean, the, the age thing is weird, Charlie, because they, it is relentless. In their, in their little entries on this. Mm. Every player gets their age put in. And half the time, I mean, maybe this is pretty obvious, half the time I think, that's obvious, I know how old they are. And the other half I think, whoa, actually, that's surprising. Didn't know that. Fair it enough. is a weird one with it. Like, I do often think of, like, putting it in how relevant it is. And sometimes you're like, nah, don't bother. There are times where it is, it is quite a good thing to have. Mm. Because it, it can be quite striking. I suppose it, it it's necessary context. Most of the time, mm. it's necessary context for the for the value of a transfer and how exactly. viable it is. Exactly. Well, that's is. the thing. Yeah, yeah. Or like, yeah, you're talking about a player renewing their contract. You do want to know. Well, how, is this their last big deal? Yeah. Wow. When's it going to keep that player at Stadium X until? That's what I want to know. Well, exactly. Because <laughs> I can't do the maths. I can't add three to 2023. I need to know when the end date is. <laughs> They've also done it though with um, Feyenoord are set to offer manager Arnie Slot, 44, a new contract. <laughs> Young manager. <laughs> to fend off interest from Tottenham. Yeah. yeah, fend off. Good old fending off. That'll fend them off. New managers, new contracts for managers traditionally are perfect at fending off interest. They always work. But without without context in a lot of, in, you know, because of the nature of it, because it's it's one sentence bosh 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 and you know so when you have these long running transfer sagas for example Jude Bellingham or Kylian Mbappe they have to just report it as if it's the first time it's happening yeah Real Madrid want to sign PSG's 24 year old mm. France striker Kylian Mbappe <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in brackets, like incremental, yeah. incremental updates on big name players whose whose future is uncertain. So just Harry Kane, sort of, yeah, um, maybe open to a move to Club X. Uh, I, I don't want to be too derisive about this. I mean, I, people lap this sort of stuff up, and 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 that's why I'm kind of drawn to it. But here's some more kind of mid mid table stuff. Club X, Charlie, open to letting 31-year-old relative failure Y leave this summer. <laughs> They're open to offers. They're open to letting him leave. If they um, get the right offer, yeah, that's quite a sad one, isn't it? That's quite that's quite a depressing one, isn't it? Yeah, he's he's been shit. We're, we're yeah. trying to offload him, but no one wants him. Uh, yeah, and it's just so self evident. Like, if they get the right offer, I do yeah. like the way that there is. Um, again, I suppose this is a sort of a BBC sort of thing in terms of being fair and broad in their outlook. But it's like it's kind of come one, come all. You could it, it could be the Times, it could be it could be the Athletic, it could be the Daily Mail, it could be. Football insider. Toto Mercato. <laughs> Fijajes. <laughs> Fijajes is definitely my favourite. It's just anything. It could be from anywhere and it's in there. <laughs> One day, I'm going to dedicate all my time to just listening to Spanish football radio and just see how compelling it actually is. Why do they have so many football radio stations? It's, it's just like... 
it's like um, Portugal having those three main newspapers for each club. Why don't we have that here? How how has mm. our saturation point of football coverage not got to the point where we have like specific newspapers for one club that basically yeah. favours them? Is it just too European, too weirdly partisan, too passionate, too weird? Why don't we have it? It's true, especially in the age of like multiple club podcasts on the same club that people listen to. I'm yeah. sure there would be the appetite amongst those people for a club radio station. There's enough that after the journalists. game they can listen to. Let's face it. There's enough people to employ to yeah. create it. Oh yeah. Yeah, like an Arsenal kind of leaning newspaper. Can you imagine it? <laughs> but daily though. What on a newspaper? <laughs> How do they film this shit what every are they day? Talking about it? Yeah. It's mad. They must have the biggest match preview sections of all time. They must like three pages on a probable lineup or something. Oh, it's mad. A podcast, oh, fine. Talking for two hours, you know, one hour twice a week about Spurs or Arsenal. Yeah. Even then, sometimes, as you'll know, Charlie, there are moments when that could be a bit of a stretch. A no. daily newspaper about a specific club. A newspaper. How many pages has that got to be in there? I mean, yeah, it depends how many pages we're talking, but yeah. It's, it's, they're kind of glorified pullouts. They're more like supplements, are they? Let, let's say 24 pages. So split that into... Split that into... I don't know, eight sections. That's your, your first couple of sorted. You've probably got a double spread advert. So now you're down to 20. And then you've got match that's just happened, match that's coming up, a topical current thing that's happening at the club, whether big or small. Then there might be an interview with someone who used to play for the club. It's pretty easy. Actually, it's doable. Chuck in the Barcelona basketball team and handball team yeah. and then you're, you're there, yeah. you're home and dry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, I think we've, fi- we've finished denigrating half of European... Um, sports journalism it's time for premier league years playlist bingo so on, on the last episode on tuesday it was my choice and i, I was quite high up in the sort of 1300 odds i think quite recent and it, it was the rifles coming home and we speculated could it be a player could it be a manager returning and charlie you were nearly there you you said it could yeah. be a could it be aguero signing for city because we worked out it was released the song was released in 2011 i have to say i'm since very surprised that you didn't get the actual context for it which was thierry Henry going back to arsenal i know i mean i was really pleased that i identified that it was a unveiling of a player transfery type of song yeah. i think that that requires a certain level of i'm glad it was literal as well i'm glad it was that I, yeah you know, exactly. it played into and our hands a little bit which is good yeah and and then from there obviously it wasn't hard to deduce mm. that that's what it was getting at yeah my, my mistake was just thinking about the summer window forgot about january that was yeah. that was foolish because because that on redeal was uh january 2012 well don't be too disheartened because it, it was a bit of a gray area actually i have to say because i went back and watched the episode and first of all um the segment that they did on on going back to arsenal was some terrible kind of overwrought kind of page turning thing with, with some awful voice actor over the top saying the king has returned to arsenal where he used to reign oh it was just <laughs> it was so shit many and years have but still they never forgot him and one day he might come back (laughs) yeah really kind of weirdly at the end (laughs) mystic fucking mech Um, and then the song began to play over Arsenal losing 3-2 at Swansea which didn't really work at all because there was no sign of Henri in those highlights there anyway so very strange I think he must have joined after that game who knows someone might correct me on that I think he did play that game but came on and didn't do anything yeah they didn't feature in the highlights at all anyway so let's see if we can get Somewhere close to the mark today. Charlie, I need from you a number between 1 and 1,385, please. Uh, 
784. 784. Nice and early as well. Glad about that. Right yeah. then, 784. Let's have you. Great scrolling from me. Here we go. Arcade Fire with Wake Up. This is 2004. Wait for it to really kick in to get the vibe football wise. Yeah. Uh, Great song. Don't know if it helps, but it's sandwiched on the playlist between I Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor by Arctic Monkeys and Getting Better by The Beatles. Interesting. Okay, so this is prob this is probably depending on when it was, but if it's 2004, it's probably being used in 2004, 2005. Let's assume so. Uh, it's not a particularly joyous song, but I think we can rule out the title as being anything worth being directed by. Don't think Wake Up no. is because it's not really important to the song, is it? So there's a kind of relentless marching aspect to it. Think Charlie, a team in good form, perhaps. Yeah, or I'm thinking like a feeling of renewal. So it might be that a team <laughs> sort of come up and is enjoying life back in the big time. Don't actually have to be the narrator, as you desire, as you guess, by the way. <laughs> But go on, if you want to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, I imagine that's more that sort of thing. I'm trying to think who, who would have come up. You know, Chris, Crystal Palace were back in the big time and finding life on the road, you know, f- finding finding it a little difficult to, to build their momentum or something of, of, of that sort. Andy Johnson's penalty record hunt continued as he tumbled under an innocuous challenge against somebody else. And then it's sort of, yeah, I think for another t- for another team that's struggling, it's, it's probably that sort. Of. West Brom think- found themselves bottom at Christmas. <laughs> it's Brian Robson's sides. Needed yeah. to wake up. No, wouldn't work. <laughs> no. This is a difficult vibe for us to get. I'm going to be fascinated to see. I mean, um, so It is sca- quite generic. It could just be... Just bank, you know, I just needed a filler, just, you know, over a couple of games, just whiz through a couple of games. It's quite, that, that big chorus mm. is quite, but there is, but there is a tinge of emotion to it, though, a little bit. It might be just ticking off a few, a few picking, uh, tying up a few loose ends in one go. Well, we'll, um, we'll have a little look after this and we'll report back on Monday just how close we got on Premier League Year's playlist bingo. Great adjudication panelling today. Some very strange tangents, but that's what you get with an esoteric football podcast, don't you, Dave? Cheers to you, Charlie Eccleshare. Thank you. Cheers to you, Dave Walker. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday. The Athletic.